0: J.D. Bunkus is to start this program because I'm watching him in my little screen here, my little window into his life, and there's a lot of frantic action. There's, I think, a towel involved. Like There's a a glass of water that is perhaps spilled all over some equipment. And we have a resolution soon enough, I think. But at this point, it has not been an ideal start. You know what? Mike Babcock used to preach those starts and, you know, getting off the good ones. Make sure you start on time. I always start on time. Can't be said for everybody on this show that we all start on time. It's all right, though. You know what? You'll get it eventually. We're only into year three of doing this radio program and, like, the second year of doing it in this situation. But go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you've got to mute your your computer there.
1: I don't appreciate any of this. I don't appreciate any of this. I'm triggered, okay? I just, first of all, I just shattered one of my favorite glasses. Like, just totally upset. Right as we're starting the show, just knock it over onto my laptop, uh, onto my phone, all my equipment. A full glass, just a full big glass, shattering glass everywhere. Not not how you want to start the day.
0: How did you break did you the break glass? Why am I hearing myself hearing also? also?
1: I don't know. It's I think because my computer's broken because I put water all over it. Now the mute button doesn't work. <laughs> like that's literally what's happened here. Like
0: okay, well then you're you're gonna have to turn down the volume because this is not acceptable. There. Okay. Something. Anything. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> What a start to the program. Uh, it's a, it's set in stone now. First time since 1979. Toronto Maple Leafs. Montreal Canadiens. First round opponents. Every single time these two teams meet in the postseason, the winner goes on to uh, win the Stanley Cup, which is, all right, that's a, a little bit of uh, um, a stat that's not going to tell you too much because these teams have really not played each other many times outside of the original six. But it's true. It's a true Fact, and for the first time in this iteration of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are overwhelming favorites in a first-round series. They were slight favorites, I suppose, last year in a five-game series against the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I, I feel like that's overwrought too because the Leafs and Jackets finished with the same number of points. Yeah, on paper, they should have been better, but Leafs should have been better basically all season long. You couldn't have made them massive favorites going into that series, and it played out in a, in a way that was like not the 1% of, of outcomes, and they lost in five games. So the first time in the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares era, they're going into a playoff series as the overwhelming favorites, uh, and we have some information about how they're going to look in, in game one, I imagine.
1: So I want to start with just the fact that they're actually playing Montreal because we've known this for a while now that this was likely, but there was definitely a period where we got a little scared, right? Where it looked as though Winnipeg was falling apart at such a rate that we were going to be, I I will say it, like cheated out of a matchup between Toronto and Montreal. Like, this is no disrespect to Winnipeg. This is just... (sighs) This is just so meaningful for hockey to have this matchup for the first time since 1979. And yes, okay, are you, are you ready for like an old guy take?
0: Yeah, well listen, I, I I live for old guy takes. Those are my takes.
1: The old guy take here is pretty simple. It's that the older I get, the more it's just I'm not afraid of the consequences. As much as I'm excited for the potential feeling of what this matchup is. And and maybe it would be different if I thought Montreal was a little bit more even with Toronto. And mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to accept coming off like a fool if if Montreal is far more competitive. If they do force a Game 7 hell, if they win this series. But the idea of these two teams and the the reward of having Toronto in a matchup with Montreal where there's real stakes against a team that's supposed to be a rival that really hasn't felt like one outside of it being regional and outside of fans debating who has the better ones or the most annoying ones or blah, 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 go on down the line. This is like what it's all for. Moments like this, series like this, uh, debates and discussions with friends like this, the eyeballs. What what do you think this is going to do television-wise? Because... I know that we live in an era where the numbers are never going to be what they were, you know, 10-plus years ago. But this feels like a series where every single person in the country, even if they're not a fan of either of these two teams, is going to have a passing interest.
0: This is... So I saw uh, Richard Deitch was passing around this stat about how the national TV numbers south of the border for the NHL have been, like, actually at an all-time low recently. And this is... Right after the NHL signs this massive deal with ESPN, where they like triple their their revenue, that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. In this country, the National Hockey League and the broadcasting of even the, the the national games that are not involving your own team have to be massive. the The interest in this league has grown leaps and bounds with the North Division. The interest level for this team and these two sweaters is. Like I would argue is going to be the highest rated. You're going to see stats coming forward. You're going to see tweets from Sportsnet PR Game. in in the yep. coming weeks about the highest rated live event broadcast in this, fr- in this uh, uh, network's history. I can guarantee you that.
1: Uh, I'm not excited. I mean, I guess I'm a little bit excited about the potential for work because, hey, listen, it's been a pandemic, and that's affected – just about everybody's business negatively, right? And Mm -hmm. we're not immune from that. So there is a part of me that looks at it now and says, hey, this is going to be good for sports. This is going to be good for the industry. But I really am looking at this through the lens of, this is going to be so good for fans. Mm -hmm. This is going to be so good that Toronto ends up in a series where if they lose, Mm -hmm. Montreal and the rest of Canada has something on them for... Until they win a Stanley Cup. Like, it's it's just a massive, massive, massive set of stakes. Like, you lose to Boston, and people can point the finger at you, but ultimately it's you lost to a team that was a cup contender, and ultimately you lost to a team where there is a fan base in this country, but nothing like it is with Montreal. Like, you can't wear your Leafs hat to Montreal for a couple of years if they lose the series. And if you're a Montreal fan... You can probably dismiss it a little bit easier because Toronto is the favorites in the series and you can sell yourself on the fact that you're not as far along the developmental track, but you're still going to hear it from Toronto. And you're going to have to put up with content and uh, shows, everything, that are just praising the Toronto Maple Leafs and the season they have. So I'm just so thrilled that something that's supposed to matter in this sport is is going to matter. Think about in football how... Ravens-Steelers has felt over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have it. You not only have the regular season matchups, and I know football is a different sport, so like they always feel bigger for those two regular season games you get to play, but that it's been paid off in the playoffs as well. When you had Patriots-Colts, when you've had... Uh, man, we've even seen finals where there was Lakers versus Celtics like twice between the yeah. the, the last time these two teams have played in the finals. Like, this... Feels huge. This feels so incredibly important, and just as a a fan of hockey, not even just a Leafs fan, this is so exciting. This is so exciting that the two biggest markets in the sport, and I mean that like, I don't care if Chicago or New York or whatever has more population, they can win maybe one of these two things by default, but the two franchises with the most passionate and largest fan bases get to meet in the Stanley Cup playoffs with (laughs) incredible stakes is... Like, it's worth the risk. It's worth the anxiety well, of wondering what would happen if Montreal would win. It's just it's so... This is the most worth it.
0: That's that's the point that I, I, I'm glad that you brought up about the fear, I guess, among some in Leafs Nation about going into this series and the potential outcome of losing a first-round series or really even a second-round series, considering how this regular season has gone, that mm-hmm. you go into this viewing experience already sweating bullets that's good man like what are you talking about mm-hmm. like if you can't if you can't separate that type of anxiety from the real existential dread of every single day waking up mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic i don't know what to tell you that's the fun kind of dread a like, guy i'm excited mm-hmm. for that dread yeah would it be heart-wrenching well, <laughs> a horrific to lose to the montreal canadians when you have what a 20 point gap and you won seven of the t- of the ten meetings during the regular season, and this is the best team uh, in this era that is equipped to win a Stanley Cup, oh God, it would I I, I that would those would be horrible shows to do, passionate shows to do. Mm-hmm. But this is what it's for. This is what mm-hmm. it's for. There's only one winner, and there's a lot of heartbreak along the way before the exaltation, and it makes the exaltation even more valuable, yep. but this is what it's for. You exactly. should be excited to. Exactly. Def- pressure is a privilege.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I love that? that. Who was that? Who i forget brought that to the show?
0: Me. I did it.
1: <laughs> yeah. We said we were
0: going to steal it. So uh, yeah. ste- here we are. Absolutely stealing Joe it. Joe Madden. I think it was somebody said a story about Joe Madden, maybe.
1: Joe Madden. Yeah, that that sounds right. That sounds right. I, I think when we had the Raptors championship run, we had this big discussion about the impact in the country and maybe I'm overstating it because I'm in a bubble and I have followed this team my entire life and I've dedicated, you know, a large portion of my life to sports, but this just feels like it has the chance to resonate for a very, very long time and that, that it could have a a lot of meaning to a lot of people who, yeah, are, not able to do all the things they're wanting to do right now. That you're going to have this... I really... I got to tell you, I feel sorry for the bars. Like, this is one where I thought, oof, like, you're just making crazy bank right now if you can just even open up patios and have people sit outside and watch them in either one of these provinces. Yeah, but
0: at least it's not going to be, like, the most beautiful weather we've had uh, basically all yeah, year know. coming up here for the yeah. next couple. Yeah. Yeah. At months.
1: least it's not uh, like like something like, you know, 17 to 20 degrees and sunny. Like that that would be a true crime if you ended up having that. Um, that there won't be those gatherings, but that we do have something that is going to bring people together, you know, that is that is really going to be the focal point of conversations amongst friends and family members and people around Canada is just really 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 fun to me. And you know what? And and I know people in Winnipeg are going to take this the wrong way. But an Edmonton-Montreal series with a Leafs-Jets series to have gone through that entire regular season where it was really fun, and I don't mean to be complaining, but where it petered out so quickly and it became so inevitable so early and how so many of these games didn't feel like there were any stakes. I don't know about you, but for me personally, the, the watching the Leafs, it's felt a little bit like a chore. Um, it's felt a little bit like homework because you know that it's going to be all about the playoffs, and that a lot of these regular season games not didn't have really any stakes. They they were glorified scrimmages for about the last couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. so since like since basically they put the Jets away, that's how it's felt. Mm-hmm. So to have this payoff of these two markets, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's massive. Now, I'd like to pivot to the next thing, which is we see the loaded Leafs lines yesterday, right? Felino with Tavares and Nylander, Hyman with the top group, Nash centering this defensive line with Kerfoot and Mikheyev, and then the veteran line, let's call them. If we, <laughs> I think they would be upset at being called the old man line, but that's what first came to mind with Wayne Simmons, Joe Thornton, and Jason Spezza. On paper, I looked at that and said, oh my God, the Leafs are so deep. Did you did you have the same feeling? Of course. Yeah. Of course, okay. of course, of course.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it's honestly it's it's the best combination I think you can you can put together right now. The the odd yeah. man out is Galchenyuk, but yeah. we've been seeing him trend in the wrong direction defensively for a while now.
1: Well, and the same thing remains true with Galchenyuk is if he's in the lineup I'm really not going to be upset about it because he, I think he's played well enough to earn a spot, but do you want Alex Galchenyuk playing 17 to 18 minutes against you know really really hard matchups in the postseason where yeah. defensive miscues like if you want to talk about things that have impacted this team and things that have been bugaboos or ghosts or whatever mm-hmm. it have been d- gaffes in the defensive zone right well, like and- those have been right there with the bad goals that people outline constantly but like Alex Galchenyuk kind of embodies yeah. that a little bit to me
0: and we just did this on Monday and Sheldon mm-hmm. Keefe Mm, again brought it to our attention that this is basically the same team scoring goals five on five they score at the same rate they're a good five on five goal scoring team but they've gone from bottom 10 in goals allowed five on five to top five and right. the reason for that is the team defense is also you know four of the six uh, defensemen are new uh or in different positions and it's also having players like Nick Foligno and Ilya Mikheyev and Riley Nash. I mean, who hasn't played a game? But yeah, yep. focusing more on defense than offense, which is what you're doing if you leave Alex Galchenyuk out of the out of the lineup.
1: So they look really deep. And when I saw those lines yesterday, I thought, "Wow, I'm so excited!" You look at the blue line, and they didn't have Sandine skating next to Bogosian. They had it was Ben Hutton mm-hmm. and. I don't think that's going to be the case. So, like, clearly there's the one wrinkle there. I believe that it's going to be Sandine or Dermott uh, with Bogosian. And that makes you feel great, too, knowing that you really do have seven defensemen. And even if Ben Hutton was to get in, at least uh, for that guy to be your eighth, to be that far removed from Martin Marincin, which you weren't a year ago, where, like, Jake Muzzin goes down, and you're playing a guy that has really shown his limitations at this level, it's exciting. They're deeper. And they're sitting guys like Elchenyuk. We're not having Robertson discussions or like savior discussions from the AHL. Like we've done in years past, whether it was Andreas Jonsson or whether it was Nick Robertson, this team is deeper than they have ever been. However, this is the two things can be true. This is the deepest Leafs team yet of the Austin Matthews era. This is the best they've been primed to win, but I can't help but think as I'm looking at this about we can, and we will. Because this is what it's going to come down to now, right? If the Leafs peter out, if they fail here, then there are going to be the same conversations we had going into the season about whether or not there is some kind of a fatal flaw. Because I, I think we can accept that if they do lose, we're going to be looking at things that are beyond talent and skill. Because the Leafs just have that. They have that over the Montreal Canadiens. They have more talent. They have more skill. They're, on paper, the better team. But the second part is going to be the workability of this group and finding enough depth, quote-unquote, for this team. Because the top six right now is inarguably excellent, right? With Hyman up on the top line, we know those three work. We know those three, like, no one's questioning Austin Matthews, Mitch Barner, and Zach Hyman after the season. Same goes for Tavares and Nylander, especially now that we do have a greater appreciation for the commitment that Tavares put into his defensive game and the way that Nylander responded to criticisms earlier in the year. Felino, if he's healthy, I think that, The bar for what he needs to do is pretty straightforward and simple. And that I guess maybe he could take some heat if there isn't some goal scoring, but that's right there. You look at the bottom six. It looks incredibly deep, but there's still a lot of hypotheticals here, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it's this group that's put together where we can and we will has – you get a lot of credit for this if you're Kyle Dubas and you're Brandon Pridham because you always knew you had this advantage of being able to spend extra money and work the salary cap to your advantage whenever possible. But what they're like over $4 million, right? Mm-hmm. Is it 4 or $5 million over the salary cap if all things go according to plans when playoffs start?
0: Something. It's, either, it's one of those two.
1: Okay. So they're $5 million over the cap. And if you just look at that bottom six, it includes Alex Kerfoot, the result of a trade that is among the most controversial, I actually believe in Leafs history. You have Riley Nash, who has not played a single game for the Leafs, who has been coming off of a long injury and could be tasked with centering a third line that is going to have some incredible defensive responsibility. You have Ilya Mikheyev, a guy that they went over to Russia to go out and acquire. Someone who got a small money deal, who has worked out incredibly well for what you paid, but. A, another different avenue, right? You've got a bottom, a, a bottom group of three veteran players, one of which took the minimum in Spezza, and two of which took a little bit more, but with the idea that they wanted to be here. They wanted to be Toronto Maple Leafs, play in this city, and have an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. It's a very creative way to build a bottom six. We're going to see if it's a sustainable model to build a bottom six where you do have to go to all these different places. Even if you look at the depth, like guys like Pierre Engval, guys like Alex Galchenyuk, you get in a trade from a team where he's basically on the outs when it comes to his NHL career. But that depth is now going to be tested in a way that it hasn't been in a long time, and it's going to be judged in a way that it hasn't been in a long time. Like Riley Nash, his group, if it is that group, they are going to have to be locked down defensively. They cannot be a liability throughout this postseason. They can't be a group where you go, well, they're not providing you any offense and they're getting scored against. so what is the problem here? And when it comes to the old man line, they're going to have to provide some secondary scoring. They're going to have to provide some of that toughness. If you remember last year against Columbus, the line with Jason Spezza and Kyle Clifford, they were hard to play against. And it wasn't a ton of minutes, but they were important minutes. And you're going to need to see that from this This old man line as well. So I look at this and I say, yes, the Leafs are deeper. Yes, on paper, they're better. But also, now that I'm looking at this and evaluating it, it's sort of, there are going to be a lot of what determines whether or not we're giving Kyle Dubas a ton of credit for that creativity or whether we're giving him a lot of criticism for the top end of the lineup saying, see, the bottom six was just not good enough because your top six was too heavy.
0: Well, Um, and here's the rub to that because what you said is correct is we're probably not going to see this lineup in the final two regular season games. Like, there's not going to be a mm-hmm. run-up at all. Like, I know we're not going to see it tonight. Like, we, we were told mm-hmm. explicitly that Riley Nash and Zach Hyman will not play tonight, and mm-hmm. I, I, I guess that's for salary cap reasons. It's still confusing to me how they're going to get Frederick Anderson off LTIR to play in the game tonight, but whatever. They're doing that, and we were told Nash and Hyman not playing tonight. I'm not saying that that's the, the biggest deal in the world, but I don't know. Is it is it no deal that... Riley Nash is going to have to center the shutdown line for the Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs in their most important series in decades, uh, mm-hmm. with guys he's never played in a hockey game with. Like that seems not insignificant. And we've seen Thornton and Spetsa su- uh, succeed together with mm-hmm. uh, a, a centerman with with Adam Brooks. That worked okay. Eh, mm-hmm. Kerfoot wasn't as good. Okay, Spetsa, you're you're taking the draws you're the centerman and you're playing with Simmons like there isn't one speedster or one young player on it i don't we haven't seen that really for an extended period of time either so it could work there's all you're right there's a there's a big question mark surrounding both of those bottom lines
1: so we'll see if this actually ends up being the roster composition this is, we'll end up seeing if this it is the way sense, they though. roll in the playoffs it does it does make sense this is how it makes the most sense to me when i looked at that group of forwards the the way that they were put together that's the highest ceiling group and that's just my opinion like if you would have asked me to sketch out what it was going to look like that's like exactly what i would have put and i would have said that if you are playing montreal and you are very very heavy favorites I would want them to be putting their best foot forward for what needs to happen in order for them to win. And that would get Riley Nash's sea legs under him and get him going now and have that group build some chemistry throughout the playoffs. The other part of it is, if it doesn't work out, because it's risky to do it game one and then have Riley Nash look terrible and he can only play 12 minutes and then it's gassing out other guys and then all of a sudden you're looking up and saying, wow, that was a disaster. But it's also something I think you can pull the trigger and move that, those lineups around in a way where you feel comfortable about putting Galchenyuk back in the lineup. You feel okay about putting Engvall in in the penalty-killing role and, and having him eat some minutes down the line. You know, like, they've, they've built those repetitions through those depth forwards, whether it's Brooks, Engvall, or Galchenyuk, in a way where you can plug and play with less risk as you move forward. If you need to go to one of those guys, I think that all three of them will be ready.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And yeah, you've got Kerfoot on the wing, which I think is his best role pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and paying him that money to be a depth center did not work out because I, I think we've seen enough of a sample here to understand that when he's at his best, he's not uh, playing up the middle, he's playing on the wing. But he can move back mm-hmm. to the middle if the Nash thing doesn't work out. Foligno on on the third line was something that we talked about when he was brought over if it if it doesn't work out for him on that second line and you need a little bit more scoring and it's it's not the 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 defense that you need to lean on and you need to throw Galchenyuk back in there maybe he's a third line candidate as well there there's a lot of moving parts with this
1: yeah i i look at this roster and i think all season long we've been discussing the pieces and who fits where and who does what and now seeing the final product i i do believe the conversation is shifting back to Dubas in terms of the pressure leading into this that he has kind of been Exempt from a lot of conversations, that he probably hasn't gotten the credit that he deserves for this season. Um, I know there have been moments where we've done that, when Thornton was hot, or when Spezza was hot, or uh, there there have been moments at the deadline when they got Felino and when they got Nash, Jack Campbell, the way that he's played this year. But everything was about watching this team in the division and Matthews' forty goals and. Tavares' play and the goaltending debates and all of those things but now with yeah four or five million dollars over the cap seeing the final picture knowing that this really does this uh, this isn't feel like this is this team's best chance to win a Stanley Cup since they've had Austin Matthews and it will likely be their best chance to win a Stanley Cup moving forward how much pressure is on this organization and getting to see this plan really manifest itself where it was get as much skill as you can, make sure you keep your star players, fill out the fringes, but also try to make your team more defensively responsible and tougher and with more veteran leadership. Uh, we have Chris Johnson on at 10, so we'll get a lot of these thoughts with him. We have Mark thought uh, coming up in a little bit.
0: love when they do this. A a weirdo, like when Thursday, it's like Thursday night football, Tuesday edition. It's Hockey Night in Canada, Wednesday edition. After all the scheduling, rejigging that happened because of the Canucks uh, COVID situation, it is Hockey Night in Canada tonight, but you can feel it in the air. Uh, Leaf Senators. Frederick Anderson's return to uh, the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's talk to a former Sens defenseman, Mark Mathot, co-host of Wally and Mathot. Do you, do you can you feel it? It feels like hockey night in Canada, doesn't it, Mark?
2: It does. Ben JD, how you guys doing? <laughs> good,
1: buddy. Good. So yeah, Sens are hot. Sens are ridiculously hot. Haven't really been paying attention, but like seven, like seven and three in their last ten.
2: Yeah, you guys don't really pay much attention to the Ottawa Senators over there in no, Toronto, do you? Me. I don't blame you. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You've got no, a really I good team sure. there. I understand where the priorities are at, so it's all good.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, after watching the Leafs, the, what is this, the Leafs playing the Sens for the ninth time, um, I, I, I'm not, like, turning on my television at night when there's no Leafs games going, boy, you know what I want to watch? Sens, Habs. I need it. I got to have it tonight. I got to see it for the ninth time before I watch a series between the Leafs and Habs. Yeah, the this is now the downside of the Canadian division. It, it not ending up super competitive and... Uh, All the playoff spots essentially being determined for like weeks. That's a tough one. But I will ask this about the Sens thing. And this is my biggest point of curiosity because in most sports now when your team is not going to make the playoffs, people want them to bottom out. And the Sens got hot right at the end of the year, which would mean most fans would be upset. I feel like the mood in Ottawa is actually, hey, this is great. We want to see the team win. And the draft position stuff is not that big of a deal like it has been in years past. Am Am I getting that right?
2: You're, you're absolutely right. It's it's, it's, um, it's intriguing to me because a, a lot like you know most analysts or any hockey-related person that knows a lot about the game, I think part of me was hoping they would tank towards the end only just to get that draft pick because I know the games, yeah. they mean absolutely nothing. But then right. on the other hand, there's an argument to be made that this is really good for this young group to learn how to win and play together, and they've got so many young players at this point that... I don't think people are focused on the draft, and I think we've kind of convinced ourselves over here that the draft isn't that deep this year. Certainly, you're always going to find some pretty good players in that top 10, but I think for the most part, you know, as a city collectively, they're just really focused on the team right now, and everyone's just happy. There's, there's a lot of buzz right now around this team here, and I think, you know, this last stretch where they're about, I think they're 8-2-1 and one in their last eleven. They're, they're just playing very well and very good hockey, and it's been very entertaining. And I think it's just giving me people a lot of hope moving into next season.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't see, hear about the uh, Melnick out signs, which I'm st- sure still exists. Like that, they're, they're getting social media pub because kids are throwing hats over Tim Stutzla's fence yeah. right, when he scores a hat <laughs> trick. That's good. That's good. Not you not know
1: what? That actually out. made me feel really great because normally like my first thought was. Nobody wants uh, people to know where they live. Right. Uh, but that, that it was just so sweet. And it was like, those guys looked like they were all in college together. It was like their college yeah. house. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, yeah. like, what?
0: you like, oh. Brady, right? Right. I
1: was like, oh, that's me living in Ottawa. That's the exact same thing. Down off just Bronx, living in the Glebe. Like, that's what it, I think yeah. they look like they're in Sandy Hill. But even still, it was like, oh, that's really cute. I like that. That felt like a small <laughs> town hockey vibe.
2: Yeah, they were they were out in. I think they're in Westboro, which is just west for those listening, or west of town, kind of in between the city of Ottawa and the Canada area where the rink is. So they're they're in Westboro, and I know you guys mentioned it. It almost looks kind of like the rear end of a a frat house or something like that, and a bunch of guys are walking out in their pajamas. But 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 unfortunately, that house is probably worth over a million dollars in Ottawa right now, given the market. (laughs) Yeah. But in any case, yeah, they're all having fun and. You know, the kid, it was really neat to see it. I mean, seeing all these kids kind of roll up, and I think there was at least 12 of them where they're all hooking their hats over the fence. I mean, it's just nice to see, and it's kind, of, it's kind of representative to what I was talking about earlier as far as the excitement around the team right now and these young guys. So, I mean, we could use some good news like this and some happy moments, and that was one of them.
1: Yeah, my family lives in Ottawa and in the Ottawa Valley, and yep. I went to school there. And I went to school there when the Sens were just, you know, drubbing the Leafs every single year. And uh, I will say that, like, I, I, I guess my younger fan of me would have wanted the Senators to be in a horrible place and. Now it's just more of, well, I want those two teams to be good at the same time always. And I, I don't think that we'll ever be able to replicate, you know, the old battles of Ontario. Yeah. Like, I just think that's kind of done. And hockey's just different right now. Like, I don't think you're going to see Zach Hyman go into the posing bench the way that Darcy Tucker did. But <laughs> uh, I, I do think that there is a real, like, it, it feels good to see Ottawa not in a complete funk because they've been yeah getting dunked on for the ownership situation or how things played yeah. out with Carlson. then there was the weird thing with Carlson and his wife and uh like the the uh who's the teammate Hoffman's like there's just there was it yeah. was bad for a really long time and now it feels like it's trending upwards, and it feels like it's in a good place, and yeah, I'm excited for that, so they play the Leafs, and yeah, we don't pay attention to them. maybe you pay attention to us, but um Freddie Anderson's <laughs> back in that tonight, and I wonder what you think like this guy hasn't played in about a month. Do you think that the Leafs come out and really try to play tough in front of them, that they try to replicate this? Like how, how important of a game do you think this is for Freddie Anderson?
2: Well, it's huge, right? Cause you're heading into the postseason now with a lot of pressure. I mean, I think the expectation level in Toronto is incredibly high and rightfully so I think, and I've said this before to you guys, it's probably the most rounded team I've seen out of Toronto now in the last, mm-hmm. you know, six, seven, maybe even eight years. Like, it's just, you guys are just so well-balanced now. And to me, that's the best indicator as far as success goes into that postseason. So when you talk about Freddie Anderson, yeah, sure, I mean, he, is, he was that guy, right? And you're going to need that number one player on, on the back end there on in goal to kind of carry that load and steer the ship properly. And I think you're going to be facing a very hungry team here in Ottawa tonight. I know we're a little banged up. I don't know that, uh, you know, obviously guys like Shabat are out of the lineup, so they've had to have some young guns kind of come in and fill that role. But you're going to see a lot of guys with a chip on their shoulder, right? And I think sometimes those are the dangerous games to play. And so if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got to be really careful because I've been in this position where, you know, you maybe have a couple games left. You've already clinched, and you might be going into the game a little, perhaps not quite as focused. You're maybe playing not to get hurt. And sometimes that's the best recipe for getting injured. So I think, I think if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you face this game like it's any other. It's an incredibly important game. You're trying to set the tone going into that postseason – on a good note, and, and you certainly want to play well in front of your goaltender. You want to provide Freddie Anderson with a lot of support, help him out, get him his, get, get him his confidence back, and I think that would be the, the best-case scenario if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, is to come out and work your behind off as hard as you can in that first 10 minutes. Set the tone early and try to push Ottawa out of the game, which I think is a tough task, only because you've got a really hungry young group. So I, given the circumstances, and it's almost kind of a meaningless game in many ways, I still think you're going to see a pretty spirited game.
0: Well, to add fuel to that fire is that, the rest is coming. Like you got two games left here. You play today. You play Friday, and then yep. what? We'll the playoffs start on the 19th after those meaningless Flames Canucks games. Which I, I mean, I talked about Sportsnet setting ratings records for this Leafs Hab series. I would love to see the ratings for those afternoon <laughs> games on a weekday between two teams that have been eliminated from the postseason. Zero, be uh, zero, zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> I can't, cannot wait. But yeah, we got to get those in before we start the playoffs for whatever reason. Sure, sure, sure. Or whatever so yeah. they're gonna have lots of lots of time off af- after friday so yeah i mean they're gonna be trying to simulate game action after friday anyways you you almost need these opportunities to play real games and get your intensity level up i wonder because there's obviously the young players on this leafs team are gonna make them go but the additions they've made have all been veteran players who are uh, not going to play significant minutes, but are going to be key components. I think if this Leafs team wants to do what it, it, it's expected to do in the postseason, how does the time off affect those guys in particular, like the 35 plus dudes that are now apparently all playing on the same line?
2: Yeah, it's funny. Like if I'm not, if I don't ride the bike for a couple of days, my joints just get sore and I can feel it. So, I mean, if you're an older player on the Maple Leafs, I think, I think, and that comes down to your coaching staff. I think it just you have to simulate as much game-like situation as you can in games, and that comes down, or excuse me, in practices, and that comes down to perhaps doing a little scrimmage at the end of the game, or um, you know, working on certain breakout drills with some contact. That's all stuff that you have to implement in practice leading up, and you're going to have you're going to be flooding the team with meetings. I think from a fan's perspective, they may not understand the amount of preparation that goes in these rounds and so you're going to be glued to the screen at the rank you're going to be watching all the tendencies of your opponent in the habs and and all that plays into it but again if you're an older guy i think at this point you know what you have to do to prepare yourself and it's making sure you're moving around every day and the rest will sort itself out
1: so the last couple of days it's been pointed out that one of the biggest reasons for success this season is, of course, the Leafs have star power, but Austin Matthews has scored 40 goals before. Now, maybe not at this rate, but he has done that. And that it really comes down to this team's commitment to defense. And some of it was like kind of dismissed because they play in this division. It's a weird year, but it's been pointed out, and yeah. I think pretty astutely so, that the one thing about the North is that it is a very offensive division, and the Leafs have basically completely flipped like their standings on five-on-five goals against versus where they're yeah. at last season and this one. And, and I wonder from your perspective, if you think that that's a byproduct mostly of just an improved and more balanced blue line, or... How much of this is about, like, team defense and, and what you see when this team plays, yeah, re- like,
2: responsible hockey five-on-five? Five. It's collective. I think there's one th- – I mean, I love the idea or the one point you brought up as far as the defense goes. Like, and I'm obviously going to be biased being a former defenseman myself. I think mm-hmm. you look at the, the, your three pairings on your back end. I mean, I love it. I lo- even the addition of Ben Hutton to me. Like, I was, I'm a huge fan of his. I don't know how he's been playing lately in Toronto. I have absolutely no idea. But I know that those are the guys that you want in your lineup going into that postseason. Now, having said all that, he's not the reason the numbers have improved. Obviously, he hasn't been around long enough. But I think it's a culmination of you know growth out of your forwards, guys like Matthews, Marner, kind of figuring out how to win at this level over the past couple of years. And then you insulate these guys with really good veterans. You bring in guys like Joe Thornton. You brought in guys like Jason Spezza and Wayne Simmons. These are all voices. These are all players that are going to be pretty vocal in the, in the dressing room, and they're going to be holding players accountable. Not that a guy like Matthews or Marner or Taveras need to be held accountable, but it's just nice to have more voices like that of guys that have been there that have played in really big games, and it settles the room down more, and it just, it just improves like, the overall look of your team. So to me, it's probably a bunch of random stuff that's kind of all brought together and created this really nice recipe where the team's just improved all around and you're seeing a better product. And I can't say this enough, and I've been saying it all year, I really like the look of this team. You made another really good point in that I don't know how much that is indicative just because of or to, to their success league-wide, just because of the makeup of the North. And It's kind of a weird division. They're kind of unpredictable, it's high scoring, not a ton of defense. So we don't really know what they're going to look like once they get out of this, um, assuming they do, of course. So it'll be interesting. That's a whole other story. But for now – I think they've got everything they can. They're the clear-cut favorite here. I mean, let's face it, yeah. the way they're made up with it, it's just, to me, it's it's going to be a cakewalk here in this first round for them, for sure.
0: I, I mean... Yeah, it would be a head scratcher if it wasn't. I mean, it is hot. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, you could do carry Price if uh, he gets himself healthy, which is not even 100%. I was going to say,
1: I don't trust you enough yet, Mark, for you. Like, you're a Sens guy, and, uh, and I got felt like a curse. Like I know you said that, and I, I believe you meant it in a genuine way, but I, I want to say a big part of me was like, hmm, cakewalk, eh? Hey? Like, if they don't okay, win yeah. the Stanley Cup, that'll yeah, be a yeah. shock. Yeah, okay, yeah there's not, no. I'm
2: not going that far. I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah. against Montreal, like Montreal yeah. I mean, Let's face it; like they're hurting right now. They're not playing near as good as I thought they were early on. Like I thought they'd be much further ahead, but with all the injuries, it's kind of they're they're just they're they're playing incredibly inconsistent hockey. I just I, I don't like it right now. So to me, if Montreal could even win one or two games, I'd be I'd be surprised.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's the way that we've felt about it for quite some time. And yeah, yeah if you look at it from any other, st- Yeah, just like this is what I keep saying to my buddies who are Habs fans because they actually believe it's going to be a lot closer. But I keep thinking like they the style that they play, they don't play it well enough to really slow Toronto down. Their goaltending is way more suspect right now with what's yep. been going on with Carey Price than Toronto's is. I don't think that their blue line is as good. They certainly don't have the top-end talent. Like, I don't even think they have the forward depth. Like, I just keep asking them, like, where do you think you're better than Toronto? And no. I just don't see Nowhere. the spot.
2: Right? No, and, and, and they're, like, you just look at their head-to-head uh, stats. I mean, goals for or goals against. Mm-hmm. Tor- Toronto's just crushing them, like, on the yeah. season at least. So. Again, I mean, I don't mean to sound like I'm beating down on a dead horse here. I know I'm repeating myself, but it's just, it's, it's. To me, this is obviously Toronto's series to lose, and they're they're in the driver's seat. I think with the leadership they have in that group right now, there's no reason they can't get out of this pretty, pretty easily. And and I'd be surprised again if if, if Montreal steals a couple games. I'd be genuinely shocked. Yeah.
0: So would I. It could happen because it's hockey and whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, for sure. But. This is the first time this organization's been in this situation. You can point to the Columbus series as them being favorites. They were tied in points going into that series, right? Into the bubble. Yeah. And, and yes, you could have seen that scenario play out the way it did where the Leafs couldn't score against a, a, a really good defensive hockey team. But that was it. Game. Columbus
1: played the style you need to play against Toronto better than Montreal does. Like, I, I don't yeah. think that it's comparable. Right.
0: And, well, yeah. and, yes, the way the two teams have played for – the entirety of the regular season entirely entirely different Yeah, the players at least didn't have to, lose know to that. a backup
1: goalie this year
0: no <laughs> I so i mean does that change the mentality the players are obviously aware of of the different feeling and the fan base but it does it like how does that alter their mentality going into this series cuz it's the first time it's ever happened for them
2: yeah and that that'll be the one challenge it's that mental awareness of just trying to get out of that first round right like the monkey off your back scenario if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and i think I think if you're a player, you know, yeah, it'll be playing games with you a little bit, and there's certainly a ton of external pressures coming from media. So if you're a player out there right now and you're checking your phone all the time and you've got your family members asking you tons of questions, it starts to weigh on you as things ramp up here and you're heading into it. But um, again, and this goes back to my original point earlier, you've got so much good leadership on that team now that that should not be an issue. I think if you can just disconnect yourself from all the outside noise, focus on this task, You've got a much different look now on this team as far as, you know, your, your top to bottom uh, makeup. Uh, you've got a much better defensive team. You guys already kind of spouted off the numbers earlier as far as the improvements on the PK goes five on five goals against everything's improved across the board here. So that shouldn't be a concern. It's just getting past that little mental obstacle of, oh boy, like we got to get past this first round or it's going to be a disaster. I think you got to look past that because now I got to believe this group is incredibly confident you're pretty darn healthy too i mean there there aren't a whole lot of things and obstacles going against you other than your own your own mind your own mental obstacles and that's that's easy at this point i think they've been through it enough they've got the reps under their belt there's really no excuse it would be an absolute disaster and i wouldn't want to be a toronto maple leaf fan if that happened but i honestly as much as i would probably like to see that happen just out of spite i think you guys are going to do just fine
0: yeah, it's hard to tell what you're trying to do with the mental gymnastics and the potential curse you're showing on this team, but that's that's that, uh, that's what makes a a good cursor is somebody who's like, yeah, hiding it well enough that you you can't really uh, put your finger on it. Mark, great stuff as always, buddy. Thanks for this, despite cool. uh, your reverse curse stuff.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Brian. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, Mark Mathot, former NHL defenseman, co-host of Wally. And Yeah, I think, by and large, it's it's more the fans that feel that stuff. Like, I don't know, do you think Austin Matthews, who's been great in the postseason his entire career, is really thinking about the demons and this team's failures of postseason's past? Because, again, last year was the first time they were even slight favorites Mm -hmm. in a postseason series, but that team stunk, and, like, rewriting the narrative on that team is crazy considering what they looked like before the stoppage.
1: Uh... I don't know. I think guys do think about that stuff. And, and I think that... I, I don't think that they'll think about it going in. I think they're going to feel really good and they're going to feel confident that they're buzzing at the right time. But if they were to, say, fall down a game in the series, like they get out of the gates and Your they game one seems the first important. game, that I, I could see how you start to think about stuff like ghosts and... Maybe that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, I, just, I, I, well,
0: I, I mean, you just told everybody your mentality and why you're a choker when it comes to sports. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'm a choker <laughs> when it comes to everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, we all know. All right, when we come back, our pal CJ, Chris Johnson. uh It is Good Show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, we, good. we got our technology working. It's a good show. M59 of The Fan, Ben Ennis, JD Bunkus, our pal, CJ, Chris Johnson, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, uh, joins us online right now. What's going on, CJ?
3: Not too much, guys. What's happening?
0: Uh, we're just hanging out. doing <laughs> uh, the uh, rise of Ethereum. Oh, man, I told myself I wasn't going to bring it up. Fine. <laughs> fine. 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 You don't have to respond. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Daddy picked the winner. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs>
3: you're the worst you're you're 100 you won the 100 meter but we're in a marathon let's let's check back in a year or two (laughs)
0: okay all right it's fine uh all right (laughs) so uh we got a a little day like you just i couldn't couldn't i couldn't i was like do i and like the synapse is just fired and sometimes you can't control the words that come out of your mouth and uh that was one of those situations um the Maple Leafs <laughs> and uh, their lines yesterday, which will not be enacted for tonight's game, which is a little bit curious, I suppose, and somehow Freddie Anderson's going to play uh, despite anyone going in LTIR. Is that for your money? Uh, Say for the Sandine situation, the blue line—that's the the game one lineup you think uh, Sheldon Keith is going to throw out there against the Montreal Canadiens?
3: I'm I'm not entirely sure. I think it's obviously close to it. Um, but you know, I, I could still see some tinkering within that lineup. He, he mentioned that you know they had Zach Hyman yesterday on the top line, and he you know Sheldon Keith mentioned after practice that you know he could be dropped to the third line. I think that that he's finally hoping you know with Riley Nash coming in the lineup and and more health that they can you know fulfill this vision of having a matchup sort of defensive first, nothing happens line, and so you know part of Zach Hyman's uh, you know. It, Part of, part of his value or utility of the team is how versatile he is and that he could fill in there. And so I, I think we will st- still see some tinkering. I mean, I, I don't expect the Leafs to open the playoffs till a week today. That um, They have these two games to play, but that means there's a lot of practice time. So, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't say that's 100% the lineup, but, but we're getting closer to, to the look with, with what they rolled out yesterday.
1: Well, just listening to you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, of course, because Sheldon Keefe is a tinkerer. Like that's one of his biggest things as a head coach is it never feels like the leaf's lines are set. When has it felt that way all year what what like there's been pairings that have stayed consistent, but it's always been a revolving door, partially because of injuries, partially because of wanting to get a different look, partially because of the way that they deploy veterans. But yeah, no, this guy has a tendency to shake things up in game or between games. Uh, at a rate that I think is higher than a lot of different coaches around hockey. But it gets to the point that we were discussing off the top of the show and something that you outlined in your latest piece up on sportsnet.ca, which people should go and read, which is, hey, this is a deep Leafs team. And it might be just deep on paper, but it is certainly deeper than any team they've had in the Austin Matthews era. And we were kind of talking about how this whole season, everything has been broken down into what's been happening in the games and what uh, about cap situations and goaltending and Matthew's chase for 40 and now that we're stepping back and when you tweeted out those lines all I could think of was this is the best shot Dubas is ever going to have and if they do fail in some way I can't help but feel like questions about the depth and questions about being too top heavy they're going to come back especially considering that they're going into the playoffs something like what four or five million dollars over the salary cap
3: yeah, and that's just what the players they're playing. It's not right. that they're over the salary cap, It's just that it just yes. shows that they've they've managed to wedge in all those those salaries and and cap uh, commitments in, in under the ceiling. I mean, look, Tampa's doing the same thing. Tampa's going to yeah. activate a nine and a half million dollar player Kucherov who who wasn't on their their roster all season long. So this, this no, he's not... been
1: ready for a month and a half though. Seems fair.
3: Right. All, all I'm saying is that the Leafs are just playing by the rules of engagement that that yeah. go over with if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. Um, but you know, I, I think what's interesting. You're right. This is definitely. I, I don't think there's any debate on paper. The best chance they've had at it. You know, of the five seasons with Matthews, Marner, Nylander at the core of their team. Um, you know, it doesn't guarantee any success. It doesn't even mean they're going to win around. You know, they're, they're going to be heavy favorites against Montreal. You know, now they have to go do it, but you know it's hard to envision them being able to build a deeper team doesn't mean they have to win this year or bust by any stretch uh but you know a few things have worked in their favor i mean the fact that jason spezza and even to a lesser degree joe thornton have remained productive players and were willing to play here on league minimum contracts you know that you can't even guarantee that for next year i mean age decline is a thing um you know the the fact that they had a lot of draft pick capital with which to make the deals that they made and including you know salary retention you know on polino and, and riley nash that's worked in their favor they got Gelchenyuk essentially for free uh you know a lot's come together i think to build this team I, I i would expect they'll be creative and they'll find ways around their cap issues in future years but you know on paper I, I don't think they're they'll have trouble you know building a team that looks like this one
1: i will say this like part of it is not premature in that this could backfire, right? If the Leafs lose and it's a some type of a horrific loss to Montreal where uh, problems from the past crop up in meaningful games, then this take sort of gets reevaluated or there's an amend or a denim to it. But as of right now, there's two things that you can say about Kyle Dubas. One, that the changes he's looked to make have worked. The we can and we will statement has looked great so far this season anyways, where they do have all this depth. But two is that like the level of creativity to fill out this roster where, you know, you go to Russia for a player, you make you acquire one guy, be it disappointing through a trade, you get these veterans in here to sign these minimum deals when they were risky, and you know, you get guys who are on L T I R from organizations like with Riley Nash, you get you scrap Galchenyuk, It's like you can't say this isn't from a lack of trying. <laughs> this is really, really creative stuff that they have done to to build this roster out.
3: Right, and it's been every day. Right, I mean they yep. they signed guys like Mikko Letunin and Alexander Barabanov. It didn't pan out. They ooh Barabanov, they a, though. Ooh, this is hot. But, Seven points. No, 8 games. but I'm just so, saying they found other places I, I for watched. those guys to play. Like they, they you know, they, yeah. there's there's no sense of complacency with the roster building yeah. here. And you know, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm sure someone in another market who hasn't followed the team day-to-day day would laugh at the conversation because the Leafs haven't won anything yet. But what they did just do is basically lead the division from wire to wire. Uh, they, they still have an outside chance, actually, at winning the President's Trophy this year. They're, they're probably going to finish, you know, top three at minimum in the league. Uh, they they have spectacular individual players. They've, they've got a lot of guys outperforming their deals, like a guy like Spezza, uh, you know all that had to be made to happen right it's not just wasn't just like jason spezza or even joe thornton i mean those guys had to be convinced obviously the spezza situation had to be navigated i think the front office is, really has done a great job in in finding creative solutions and in getting players who want to be here building a team that should go on a run and reasonably look they should at minimum get out of the, the north division i mean I, I don't i don't see any team out there um that that is is they're equal and, and it's we've seen that over a huge number of games played uh, in our division play and then you, you try your your chances come around three so um you know let's let's see how it plays out because it doesn't always go that way you know the goaltending situation i'm sure is probably where we're going to have our intent up the most just just how all this gets sorted through but you know the, the, the leafs they've, they've done a really good job of managing their team and uh, there, there's not any other team out there, I think, that's hoping to play them. You know, they're they're absolutely one of the best teams in the NHL. Dude, this is why I'm so torn about the
1: potential of them getting knocked out in the first round. Again, like we have to see it happen. But if it did happen, there's going to be all these reactionary takes, right? And okay, sure, there are scenarios where it's like, okay, maybe they just lose because of goaltending, and that's all they have to overhaul or whatever. But if they lose. The takes are going to be, you know, fire everybody, change everything, trade somebody. And the part I'm torn with is that, the, like, the product I'm looking at right now, I believe in it. Like, I know it's the North Division and they're front runners all season long. But I look at the team and I just, I believe it's good. And it's hard for me to look at it and say, um, like, if they, even if they lost, I, am I, oh, I having trouble seeing my future self saying, don't run it
3: back. Yeah, well, and and you probably should be that way. You, I mean, that that's the rational take here. Thing but I won't be rational. I need of...
1: you to know how irrational this show is gonna be right now. If they lose to Montreal, like it's gonna be bad. I like I might have to do a show and then take two weeks' vacation.
3: The whole market's gonna be irrational. I mean that's this is one of the challenges I think is is of doing the job in general is, is you have to be sort of executing a longer term vision. But sports is all about what happened last night or what's gonna mm. happen tonight. I mean it's so much mm. of it is lived in the moment by the fan base and the media and the way everything's discussed. You know, as I say, I may, I'm able to step back right now, you know, with maybe with this break in the schedule and a long while before the playoffs and look at the team and go like, wow, Like they they made a lot of interesting decisions here and, and everything makes sense to me. I mean, probably the only thing you might quibble with is, is not trading for Taylor Hall. You know, I think that that's something I've seen a little bit on Twitter. But, you know, if they didn't do that, they, they wouldn't have bailed out as many pieces as they did at the deadline. And we'll see, you know, how useful Riley Nash is. You know, on no planet is anyone arguing he's – you know more a better player than taylor hall but maybe for you know the needs that the Leafs have it's it's better to have a felino and a riley nash and have you know a third option and, and david riddick and and that and have ben hutton to step in you know rather than martin and you know they couldn't have made all that happen if they went and traded for hall so you know that might be the only place they get second guess uh, i would i would think but in general everything they've done here makes a lot of sense and we'll see if uh, if it pays off with
2: a playoff run
0: yeah, I mean that happens if they can't score, which I mean that has not been an issue for this team really ever since Austin Matthews stepped foot on an NHL ice surface. wasn't the issue last year. It was five on five goals against, and that's the major area of improvement. And Nick Felino does a better job of doing that than Taylor Hall does. So I, I, yeah, it's hard to imagine even that scenario playing out. But you, you mentioned I'm not going Nash. to criticize
1: them no matter what happens for the Taylor no. Hall thing. The like Taylor Hall could good. go and win the Conn Smythe, I won't right. care. I'm going to be like this is the no. right, this is the right call. I'll never change my opinion
0: process 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 was very good it's funny yeah i mean jd brought this up a a couple of shows ago about how everybody's already talking about how great riley nash is going to be in the postseason because we've seen him for the columbus against this leafs team and it's a great write-up on him today in the athletic about how great a teammate he is and how many people just love the guy to death and seems like a perfect guy to be the anchor on a on a third line shutdown line for this leafs team and then just you know running back around for the top two scoring line but, yeah, we haven't seen him. <laughs> he hasn't played for a long time, and he won't play tonight, which is also curious because he and Zach Hyman aren't wearing the, the no-contact sweaters. They're full participants in practice, and I know there's still cap implications. I have no idea what the ins and outs of that are, and I only barely care. But will they be able to get him a game? Will they be able to get him in on Friday, or is this it? They're just going to throw him in cold?
3: No, they're going to throw him in cold. I mean, this is it's this simple without getting bogged down at all. If they activated Frederick Anderson, it it didn't allow for Zach Hyman or for Riley Nash to to play a game in the regular season. So that was the choice, essentially. Um, You know, obviously the health dictates it a little bit too. But, you know, if if, let's say Hyman was healthy enough to play tonight, and he he may well be for all I know, you know, they they couldn't play him tonight and then have Frederick Anderson come back. And so from a cap perspective, the decision that was made is that it was more important to – you know, get Anderson a game, uh, then then leave open the opportunity to have these guys play either tonight or Friday. And you know, it's hard to argue with that. I think that the Leafs are going to need two goaltenders. I, I, I just don't see any way around it. They're going to have a back-to-back as we talked about in the first round. Uh, if they play deep into the playoffs, it's likely someone will have an, an off start or an off start. You know, two. I mean, you you want two options there, and so getting Frederick Anderson in a position where you're comfortable throwing him into a playoff game, I think it's easier if he's played you know, one more game in the NHL. And, and so he'll do that tonight in Ottawa and go from there. So it's, yeah, I think that as a result of that, this is, this, I, I don't know if this has ever happened. I should start looking it up. Like has a guy ever joined a team just in the playoffs, I mean, what a strange set of circumstances Riley Nash is dealing with that. He got traded while injured That his you know, recovery is going to make him healthy for, for playoff time, but not have even had a game with the team he's playing for. I mean, just add it to the list for 2020 and 2021.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him. I still think that this team's ceiling is the highest with him in the lineup, anchoring the third line. But again, it's it's an on paper thing. A lot of this is still on paper. So Freddie gets the net tonight. They make that decision. They want to see him in the NHL. He has, like, by my estimation and my research, like he was kind of spotty to start that first one. And then same with the second game, but ultimately, like, it's 38 shots against, and apparently he performed pretty well in the second half of the second game. I don't know how this is being evaluated tonight. I just, I agree with you when it comes to uh, they're going to need both guys. I don't know why anyone would not want Freddie Anderson ready to rock and roll. Like, the guy is a, certainly a huge, 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 huge upgrade on Riddick, even if you do think that Jack Campbell's is the best option. I... I got to say, though, I like so I saw your tweet yesterday. Right. And I look at the replies and there's so much vitriol towards Freddie Anderson that I actually this almost feels like personal for me in the sense of I like I'm never defend the player guy. I'm never just, hey, you know, fans don't have their say when it comes to a player. But the amount of hate. That gets directed towards Frederick Anderson when the guy has actually had like an overwhelmingly good tenure with the Leafs that has resulted in, you know, some bad goals against in the playoffs, no doubt, but also some like really brilliant performances in the playoffs, again, including a game six against Boston where Toronto could have closed it out with more competent play up front. I like it's got to be one of the most confusing things to me that has ever happened in this market. Like, do you have any sense of this? Like we can get to the Freddie Anderson outlook in the playoffs, but I think we've all kind of made our positions clear, which is you start Jack Game one, his leash is not extremely long if Freddie looks good, he's going to get in a back to back, and it's going to be treated like it was in Columbus last year or how it's been in Boston some years. But just the the feel towards Freddie Anderson and why this fan base there's such a large segment that just hate him.
3: My only guess, and, and this is spitballing, obviously, but, like, it is the, the, the team hasn't done anything in the playoffs, and, you know, most fans probably aren't inclined to blame the young stars that they've, you know, emotionally invested in and, you know, envisioned being leaps forever, even though, let's face it, the reality might be something different. Mm-hmm. And so you got to you got to direct it somewhere. I mean, I, I certainly can't defend every single game Frederick Anderson's played with no. the season on the line in the playoffs, but... Yeah. I also can't ignore, you know, if they beat Columbus last year if they don't shoot 2% throughout an entire series. I mean, you know, that's not even necessarily to blame the players themselves. But, you know, I, I I think this looks entirely different if they've already won a playoff series with this group. And, you know, I think what it does do, too, is it sets up a little bit as a, I don't know if we want to call it a redemption narrative, but I, I think there's going to be an opportunity here for Frederick Anderson to win back some of, some of that love, that's honestly. I, I think I, I think it'll go a hundred. I think it'll like do a one eighty in the other direction when he gets in, because I do think it's a when, not an if. And and if he runs with it from that point, and they win playoff rounds, I think a lot of it will be wiped away. I think that's part of, you know, what the Leafs have said to him. You know, you know, for him, I think a lot of this. I mean, he's been dealing with a physical ailment, but you know, I think that they've been trying to get his mind right too. Because look, no no one has played more games for any team than Connor other Connor Hellbuck's number one in the last five years and Frederick Anderson's number two like he has played a ton of hockey for the Leafs most of it has been well above average Uh, they haven't won a playoff series he's this has not been an ideal season by any stretch for him but I think that there is an opportunity for him to come in way more well rested to these playoffs Um, you know obviously physically you know the the Leafs are hoping he's at a spot where he's at 100% and you know maybe he runs with it maybe maybe a, a different entry point uh, you know, we'll produce some different results for him, and, and some of that sentiment will change among the fan base.
1: Yeah, it's just like you look at the amount of work, like the workload that the Leafs put on him over the years. That's yeah, almost that unfair, that honestly. It's they, insane. They didn't, have
3: a, they didn't have a backup for not, some of those years, or a one, not one they trusted anyway.
1: Nope.
0: Yeah,
3: this
1: and then
0: they bring it, him in. The use of goaltenders has changed under his tenure, too, but yeah. he's been like the last of a dying breed starting 60 right. games a year.
1: So they, they load this incredible workload up on him. And, and when the team was like the most porous defensively, right? Mm. Where this yeah. team could not stop anything at all times. He comes into this season. Man rush fest. Right, exactly. Odd Man Rush fest every single night. He actually makes it, like, he, he as an all-star caliber goaltender, there were stretches during his tenure as a Leaf where we were talking about him in the Vesna conversation, where we were looking at him and saying, uh, this guy has comparables if he's looking at a next contract, and those comparables are Vasilevsky. Uh, like, and Bobrovsky. Like, that's the type of level he played for the Leafs throughout his tenure as the Leafs goaltender. Number one guy, no backup, not a ridiculous price of acquisition, good contract, all these things. Guy that his teammates love, all this stuff. And comes into this year, stands on his head, plays a ton of games out of the gate, gets hurt, plays through an injury, plays through an injury, and as soon as he hits the DL, uh, or the like, uh, LTR, whatever... People are just like, thank God he's gone. We hate Freddie Anderson. May he never come back. And when he does come back, it's if please don't play him ever. Please don't ever let Freddie get a sniff of the net. Like, it is one of the most perplexing things that I've ever seen. Like, it's when uh, people talk about Larry Murphy getting chased from town and how stupid that was. It's like, this is my modern day version of that. Where I look at it and I just cannot believe the takes that come from people's mouths and Twitter accounts when it comes to this player. Again, and this is me not advocating for him to play game one. This is me saying Jack Campbell has 100% absolutely Done everything in his power to win that job despite someone losing it to injury and that it is correct the correct play. But I I just do not understand the need to just completely eviscerate a guy who has done pretty much nothing but play well here and do it quietly, uh, because you can't like expand your horizons beyond any criticism other than bad goals that went in against the guy in a playoff series. Like it's it's nuts to me. It really, really is nuts.
3: And here's the funny thing. And this is no disrespect to Jack Campbell. I believe internally the Leafs, you know, think that Freddie is their best option if he is 100. You know, if, because he and, is, and, I, and that that you know that's still an if. I, I don't know where he's at in this recovery, and we haven't seen him play. We'll get at least a better sense tonight of you know where things are. But you know, I think that they probably will. You know, the minute Jack Campbell opens the door for him to play, assuming Freddie is healthy, he's probably running with the playoff ball. I mean, that's at least that's how I kind of see this going yeah
0: it's really a tough spot for Freddie tonight because th- we're not going to see riley nash we're not even going to see rasmus sandin which everybody like throws the retention at in these meaningless games it's like here's a young player that we can project and what is he is he going to run the number the the top power play unit in the postseason we don't have that uh it's him on an island like it's all that matters in this game for people watching it tonight cj it
3: is and, and for the ottawa Sanders, it's their final game of the season you know it's 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 the last day of class you know the senators have played well over the last month especially and and played teams tough and strung together a lot of wins i mean they'll they'll be loose you know and, and there, i think there's still a lot on the line for the leaps i'm sure we're not focused on it too much yet but if they can get even three points out of the remaining four here they leapfrog like three teams in terms of the overall standings which will matter if they do get to round three and i know they're talking about that internally about trying to finish as high as they can to, to better their positioning down the road i mean it could be the difference of facing Vegas in round three, and and you know you're not getting an easy team no matter what mm-hmm. if you get that far. But I, I do think these points are important to the Leafs, and and so you you hope that they deliver a performance befitting that. But you're right, this won't be their best version of their roster just because they can't uh, they can't have everyone under the cap and, and make that work until next week.
1: So gotta ask at least one Eichel question before you go because man, that was <laughs> that was something. I think the front office of the Sabres is speaking today. Yeah, what you I'm sure yeah. you know, eleven thirty. Right, so, right. so eleven thirty, so that's gonna be I uh, you know what I'm saying fireworks in my head, but it's probably gonna be downplayed massively by those guys, I would imagine. But there's so much here. Elliot's got inc- like really good in reporting in the latest thirty one thoughts and we discussed the potential of like how much of this is actual disagreement between the injury versus how much of it is actually the player not liking the place and wanting out and seeing other guys go have success and just having loss after loss after loss and it's it's just a tough thing to parse through but at this point what how how much of your understanding would it be like miraculous if there's reconciliation and he's in a sabers jersey next season
3: i think it's highly highly unlikely you know i mean look we've seen him Previous breakdown days talk about his frustration. You know, I think maybe once you get past the injury stuff, which is very real and, and a huge part of their present-day uh, disconnect. You know, I, I think that one thing that he said, Jack Eichel, that is, is that you know my career's short, mm-hmm. and you know he's played six seasons in the NHL and you know hasn't really had a sniff of any sort of success. I think that he's got serious doubts about the organization. Uh, obviously he's played a role in that i get it he's their highest paid player he's been their captain all that stuff but it's a team sport and they've not put a good enough team around him and they haven't had stability and you know i I do believe he wants a a new new place to play and i think that they're going to have almost no choice but to to facilitate that and you know it's it's a tough spot for kevin adams you know a a young gm or a gm without a lot of experience but you know I, i just i don't see reconciliation happening here
0: yeah, he wants a, a plastic neck too. Give him his plastic neck. He wants it. Give it to him. Uh, CJ, always great to chat with you. Talk soon. See you, bud.
3: All right, guys. Be well. See you, you bro. Too.
0: Chris Johnson. Speaking of yeah. uh, spine surgeries, shout out to my dad who's having a, a, another spine surgery later this afternoon.
1: Shout out to my funny. mom celebrating uh, her birthday uh, by hoping your dad is having success with his spine surgery.
0: Okay. Parent talk. Parent talk. <laughs> that, and that was Parent Corner. In that reverse way.
1: And now we're sued.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right.